And he actually gave the high priest this elaborate dress of the high priest. And it might be odd in our culture. I know there are some churches that are very accustomed to the pastors wearing robes, the priest and the priestly attire here wearing robes. That was part of their culture, so it wasn't odd for that. But it was the attire that God required for Israel's high priest that set him apart from all others within his nation. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, we're going to close out Exodus chapters 39 and 40 tonight. Exodus chapters 39 and 40. It's been a long time since I've taught through these opening books of the Bible, and uh, glad to get a second chance at it. I know some people fear the book of Leviticus more than any other book in the Bible. I actually enjoy it, and we're going there next. And I enjoy it because it speaks so much of Christ, just as we've seen Christ so often in the book of Exodus. We also will see him. And the Spirit of Christ, definitely there in the book of Leviticus with the priestly service and sacrifices that are highlighted in that book. But tonight we finish out Exodus 39 and 40. I entitled the entire message, The Shekinah Glory, but I entitled chapter 39, The Bells of Service. And I took that from verse 25 A key verse for me in this chapter. And they made bells of pure gold and put the bells between the pomegranates on the hem of the robe all around and between the pomegranates. So the bells of service, something that was on the priestly garments and the garment of the high priest, when he would go in and minister before the Lord in the tabernacle. Last week, we took three chapters to learn about the construction of the tabernacle Uh, chapters 36, 37, and 38, all about making everything pertaining to the tabernacle, the tent of worship where the priest would serve the people there and the furnishings of the temple itself, its courtyard and the sacrificial altar. And tonight we begin with the making of the priestly garments. And so God took a lot to set apart the tabernacle and the priest to serve at the tabernacle 
to set them apart in the nation of Israel. And he actually gave the high priest this elaborate dress of the high priest. And it might be odd in our culture. I know there are some churches that are very accustomed to the pastors wearing robes, the priest and the priestly attire here wearing robes. That was part of their culture, so it wasn't odd for that. But it was the attire that God required for Israel's high priest that set him apart from all others within his nation. So we read in verse 1, and I'm not going to read all the verses here because we've somewhat went through this. If you remember, we already learned of the implements, the garments back in chapter 28, where Moses was on the mountain on Mount Sinai with the Lord, and the Lord gave him detail of the making of the tabernacle and the priestly garments. And we're getting that detail repeated for us again. So I'm not going to go into every verse, but we will make commentary on the different sections. And this one, talking about the high priest garment, verses 1 through 26, it begins by saying, of the blue and purple and scarlet thread, they made garments of ministry for ministering in the holy place, and they made holy garments for Aaron as the Lord had commanded Moses. So that's a general statement regarding Aaron as the high priest. And at this moment, four of his sons, four sons that became priests or were anointed as priests, so the four sons would minister in the holy place, but in the Holy of Holy, Aaron having the holy garments would enter that Holy of Holies once a year. And so we've already met the designer, Aholalib. He was a master engraver, designer, a weaver, and we learned about him in Exodus 38. And undoubtedly, this would have been his thing, making the priestly garments. And the head of the whole project of building the tabernacle and making sure the priestly garments were made. Bizael, the project leader, he was a master builder, but he was also a metalsmith. And we find that gold will be involved in the priestly garments. He was also a cutter of precious stones and a carver of wood. And he would be called to make some precious gemstones that would be part of the high priest attire to engrave into these stones the names of Israel and to set them in their settings there on the ephod and also with the breastplate of the high priest. So an overall description of Aaron's garments has already been given in Exodus 28 verses 1 through 35, but here it's repeated to let us know the not only the importance of these things, but that they were made in accordance to God's command that he had given to Moses there on that holy mountain. So the ephod, verses 2 through 7, it says, the ephod, Aaron's outer garment, verse 2, he made an ephod of gold and blue and purple and scarlet thread and a fine linen thread, and they beat the gold into thin sheets and cut it into threads to work it in the blue and purple and scarlet and fine thread into artistic design. So Aaron's outer garment was made of the same blue, purple, scarlet thread, the fine 
woven linen that was part of the tabernacle, the inner curtains of the tabernacle. Remember the tabernacle, as we'll see, when they put it together, had several layers. But the inner curtains of the tabernacle were made of the same blue, purple, scarlet thread, the fine woven linen. One major difference here is the mention of the golden threads that were weaved into the ephod. And Moses explains in detail how the golden threads were made to beat them into thin sheets to cut them, to work it into the, with the other threads of blue, purple, scarlet, and fine linen into this artistic design. This was a very beautiful, artistically designed garment that was joined together by two shoulder straps that were clasped with two onyx stones and held together by braided chains of gold. The onyx stones were engraved with six of the names of Israel on one shoulder, six of the names of the tribes of Israel on the other shoulder. This way, Aaron always bore the nation of Israel upon his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord, as he ministered before the Lord. As God said in Exodus 28 and 12, you shall put the two stones on the shoulders of the ephod as the memorial stones for the sons of Israel. So Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord on his two shoulders as a memorial. Then he made the breastplate. The breastplate was the breastplate of judgment. It was woven out of the same material used to make the ephod of blue, purple, gold, scarlet thread, and fine woven linen. And it was actually uh, square in size. It tells us that it was actually in verse 8. They make the breastplate artistically woven of the work of workmanship of the ephod of gold, blue, purple, scarlet thread of fine linen. They made the breastplate square by doubling it. A span was its length and a span was its width when it was doubled. And so we find that a span, uh, believed to be the width of a man's hand, or half a cubic, so the width of a man's hand spanning about nine inches, a cubic believed to be about 18 inches. My elbow to tip of my finger is a little longer than 18 inches, but it really depends on the size of men you're talking about. You know, you got some real tall people, their arms will be very long and that cubit will be a bit longer. But the average there in Israel at that time, so believed to be about nine inch square that was on the chest. And it was a fabric that was actually double the length. And so when it was folded over, it formed a pouch. And within the pouch, he carried the two stones that he would determine the will of God, the Urim and the Thummim, were there in the breastplate itself. And the breastplate had 12 stones upon it. And each of the stones, each a different type of stone placed upon there with the, one of the names of Israel. And so he carried them over his heart as he ministered before the Lord. And once again, it was attached by golden rings that were woven into each corner. They were bound by braided chains of gold to ensure that the high priest would always bear the names of the tribes of Israel over his heart. So he had them on his shoulders, 
really speaking about the work that he did for the nation of Israel, but also over his heart to speak about what should be the love for the people of Israel as he ministered before the house of the Lord. And then that pouch carrying the Urim and the Thummim that God commanded in Exodus 28, verses 29 and 30. So Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel on the breastplate of judgment over his heart when he goes into the holy place as a memorial before the Lord continually. And you shall put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be over his heart as he goes in before the Lord. So Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel over his heart before the Lord continually. So the Urim and the Thummim were used by the high priest to somehow determine God's will. And we looked at this when we studied Exodus 28. The Bible doesn't elaborate about these stones. And we don't know exactly how they worked, but the high priest was able to determine the will of God through these stones. And so... The robe of the ephod. And so we have the ephod, the breastplate, the robe of the ephod, verses 22 through 26. Picking up in verse 22, he made the robe of the ephod of woven work, all of blue. And there was an opening in the middle of the robe, much like the opening of a coat of mail, with a woven binding all around the opening that it would not tear. And they made on the hem of the robe pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet of fine linen. And they made, verse 25, bells of pure gold and put the bells between the pomegranates on the hem of the robe all around it between the pomegranates. And so it goes on to say, there'd be a pomegranate and a bell, a pomegranate and a bell to go around there. The robe of the ephod, it was all blue this time. But around its hem were pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet with golden bells in between them. Thus, Aaron's movements were always heard as he ministered before the Lord, both his coming and his going. Exodus 28:35 tells us that he may not die. You're not going to sneak up on God. I understand this. But it was... I think also for the people themselves that they would hear the high priest when he was performing his duties there in the temple. We'll look at this a little further as I close out this chapter. But the bells were required and both his coming and going that he might not die according to Exodus 28.35. They also made tunics and turbans for Aaron and his sons. They made tunics artistically woven of fine linen for Aaron and his sons. So not only making the high priestly garments, but the garments for the priests as well, Aaron's sons, tunics for Aaron and his sons, Nadab, Abihu, Eliezer, and Ithamar as priests. And it's, uh, once again, it set them apart, and their garments set them apart there in the nation of Israel. I still have this vision back when I had long hair. I still remember coming out of the store one day with my hair down, kind of hanging down pretty long, and somebody coming into the store saying, is that my pastor? 
You wouldn't have probably known it, but yes, I was her pastor with my long hair and nobody would know. And even to this day, even with my short hair and just run around town and they have no identification other than if you see my truck, you'll see that I love Jesus. But other than that, um, no identification that I'm a man of God. I don't wear a collar as some religious circles do. But here in Israel, they had these garments. It sanctified them. Exodus 28, 41. You shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on his sons to anoint them, consecrate them, sanctify them, that they might minister to me as priests. So they were garments, as we will see in chapter 40, that were actually anointed, the garments themselves, anointed with the holy anointing oil. And so even the garments were set apart. And I doubt any priest that may have some kind of priestly attire today that the garments themselves are set apart in this way, dedicated to the Lord. So this was really a special event for the children of Israel. Aaron's sons were also given tunics, sashes, and hats for glory and beauty, as we learned in Exodus 28.40. So they were really set apart by their attire. So a holy crown, though, was given to Aaron. In verse 30, they made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold and wrote on the inscription like the engraving of a signet, holiness to the Lord. So the high priest, he had this turban, and along with the turban was attached, called the holy crown, this plate of pure gold that was engraved with the words, holiness to the Lord. So the high priest Aaron being set apart to walk in holiness before the children of Israel, in holiness before the Lord God. And the holy crown was first mentioned in Exodus 28 again when Moses was given the information about the priestly garments. It was to be worn over Aaron's forehead that, that he might bear the iniquity of the holy things. Exodus 28 34. So he's bearing Israel on his shoulders. He's bearing the judgments of God with the names of Israel over his heart. And now this holy crown, holiness before the Lord, to bear the iniquity of the holy things or the sacrifices of Israel, that these sacrifices might be accepted before the Lord. Thus Aaron became that mediator between God and the children of Israel, the nation of Israel. Aaron became that mediator between God and the children of Israel. And thus, verses 32 and 33, Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tents of meeting was finished, and the children of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So they did. And they brought the tabernacle to Moses, and the tent, and all its furnishings. So the chapter closes with the tabernacle makers setting the completed tabernacle. They're not erecting it at this point. They're just bringing all the parts, all the tent coverings of the tabernacle, its braces, its furnishings, all its gear that went along with it, the holy anointing oil, the sweet incense, 
that was to be burned there in the tabernacle, the priestly garments. They were brought before Moses that he might inspect their work. And when Moses saw that they had made everything according to what the Lord had commanded him there on Mount Sinai, he blessed the people for their faithfulness and their diligent work. They did all that Moses had commanded them. And so Moses, in turn, blessed them, verses 42 and 43, according to all the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did all the work. Then Moses looked over all the work, and indeed, they had done it, as the Lord had commanded, just so they had done it. And Moses blessed them. So it was a time of inspection. And Moses being that guy that was going to inspect the product, the material, the garments that were made, the furnishings of the tabernacle, and it was just as the Lord had commanded them. Pretty amazing thing. So regarding the bells that hung between the pomegranates on the high priestly, the robe of the ephod, remember it was solid blue with these pomegranates that hung on the bottom, that between each pomegranate, a tradition says, hung 72 golden bells. That the high priest would not enter the presence of God without the sound of these bells, these bells of service. They served a few purposes. First, when God met with the high priest above the mercy seat, Exodus 36, as a king would sit on his throne, there in the Eastern culture of that day, you did not enter the king's presence unannounced or uninvited. Such an intrusion could mean certain death. We learn that in the account of Esther when her uncle told her to go before your husband, the king, and she said, he has not asked for me in, in weeks. And if I go before him, I could die. And Esther's uncle actually and her parents had died, he raised her. Mordecai said, for such a time as this, for such a time as this, he said, if you don't speak up for the people, God will cause someone to raise up. But that was the custom, to come in uninvited. Could mean certain death. And it was in Exodus twenty-eight, thirty-five, And it shall be upon Aaron and his ministers, and his sound will be heard when he goes into the holy place before the Lord, and when he comes out, that he may not die. Psalm eighty-nine, fourteen: Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound, and they walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. Blessed are the people who know the joyful sound, perhaps the joyful sound, speaking about the priestly bells as he ministers before the Lord. There's another thing that can remind us of that we're not to be as ear-piercing gongs when we minister before others, but maybe like twinkling bells of service before for our Jesus. Bells of service that will attract people to Jesus as our high priest. Perhaps they will pray to receive him as the Lord and Savior of their life. So, Father, we thank you for, Lord, just the closing out of the book of Exodus and the setting up of the tabernacle, the anointing of the 
the priest to serve you there. And we'll learn more about that as we continue in the Old Testament and get into the book of Leviticus. But Lord, to know that for the nation of Israel, you were in the center of their camp, I pray, Lord Jesus, for us today as your church, you would be the center of our lives, that you would give us direction, and that you would guide us in our lives. And Lord Jesus, that we anticipate your coming again. We thank you, Lord, that you have gone into heaven with your Father, preparing a place for us. And when the time is perfect, Lord, you'll come again. And as the book of Revelation closes out, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come. Come quickly. We pray, Lord, that for those, again, who are sick and infirmed, we ask, Lord, that you would be with them. We pray, Father, that you would be with those who may not know you as Savior, or those who have not been walking in faith, or maybe those who are just searching for that direction. I pray, Lord, that you would meet them where they're at and the very needs that they have. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. And let God